0: Heavenly Father, we come most humbly tonight of all nights remembering the weight and the gravity of that first Friday when your perfect son, the Lamb of God, naked and beaten, bloody and bruised, hung upon that cross where I and all of us should have been. And so we humbly come to your word as sinners, asking, Holy Spirit, that you would open it to our hearts, that we would hear from you an amazing truth that you, the perfect one, the righteous one, died for us, the unrighteous. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you don't have this struggle, but uh, every year I have this mental struggle of coming to Good Friday service because I don't want to come to a dark room with candles lit and remember the heinousness of my sin before God Almighty that I had a part in playing and putting the king of the universe upon a cross. That's not really how I would choose to spend my Friday night. I want to get to Easter Sunday. I want to get to the rolled away stone, the risen Savior. But God reminded me of a story from Luke chapter 7 this week that I think can help us understand what we might get out of an evening like this. Luke chapter 7, Jesus is lounging around a table, enjoying fellowship with many people from the town where he was, at a Pharisee's house, eating, and in comes a prostitute. And she opens up her perfume and pours it upon Jesus' feet and wipes it with her hair. The Pharisee, of course, is indignant at Jesus that he would allow this to happen. Does he not know who this is? A sinner? A prostitute? And Jesus tells this short parable. He says to the Pharisee, There was a moneylender who had two debtors. One owed $5, the other 50000 He forgave both of them all of their debt. Which one loved more? The Pharisee answered, Well, I have to say the one who owed more. He says you have, Jesus said, You have answered correctly. Because he points at the prostitute and he makes the Pharisee to know that she realizes that she's unrighteous and that she can find forgiveness in the righteous one. Because he who has been forgiven much loves much. And so tonight we remember just how much we have been forgiven. How horrible our sin. How horrible the cross. So that on Easter Sunday, we can love much. We can understand and worship this amazing God. Our text for tonight is 1 Peter chapter 3. Just one verse for us tonight, verse 18. So 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 18, Peter says this for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God who suffered. Who is the one suffering in this passage? It is Christ, also known as the Righteous One. What do we know about Christ? We know that He is the image of the invisible God, Paul says in Colossians, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him the entire universe was created, and before Him is all things, and in Him all things are held together. He is the beginning, the firstborn. He is the preeminent one. In him dwells the fullness of God. That this is the one who for some reason is the one naked and beaten, dying on a cross, struggling to breathe, blood dripping from the thorns jammed into his forehead. That for some reason it is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, the preeminent one, the one Peter calls the righteous one. That it is Christ who suffers. And what does he suffer for? It says he suffers for sin. Well, it can't be his sin because he is the sinless one. Whose sin is it then that has nailed him to this cross? It is the unrighteous. Who are these unrighteous that Peter speaks of? It is us. It is you. It is me. Paul says this about us in Romans chapter 3, verse 9. He says, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. The best thing Paul can say about us is that when you put us all together, you add us all up, we are still worthless. All those good deeds that we did, all those things that we think earn us something, even when you put us all together, is worthless. Can pay nothing of our debt before God. Because Isaiah says this in chapter 59, verse 2, Our iniquities have made a separation between us and God, and our sins have hidden God's face from us so that He does not hear. Our sin is not so much that we broke this rule and that rule, it's that we broke the relationship between us and God. That if, as we think about this story of Good Friday, as we think about the soldiers whipping Christ's back. As we think about the crowds crying out, crucify him. As we think about the crowds punching Christ in the mouth. As we think about the Pharisees plotting to kill him. As we think about Judas betraying his friend. If we think of ourselves in this story as anyone other than them, we miss the point. We're not all righteous and holy before the cross, crying out, Oh, Jesus, we love you. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We're crying, crucify him. We are the unrighteous. But the beautiful thing of this passage, the beautiful thing that we need to see that Peter is trying to show us is that these are the very people that Christ suffered and died for. He doesn't suffer and die for those who think they're self-righteous, for those who pulled themselves up by their bootstraps, for those who are pharisaical. He dies for the prostitutes and the drunkards and the tax collectors and those who say, "I am sinful. I have nothing to offer. I'm horrible." Because in Christ we see a substitute that he dies for our sins in our place. How did Christ suffer? He suffered horribly. Christ on the cross, he quotes Psalm 22, verse 1. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if we read just some of the passages from Psalm 22, we feel, we see a little bit of how Christ felt on the cross. It continues, why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? O my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night I find no rest. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. Many bulls encompass me. They open wide their mouths at me, like a raving and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet, I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Jesus didn't just die, he was executed. He suffered horribly. This is the Son of God, the image of the invisible God, and yet he cries out in the midst of our sin being on his shoulders, he understands the wrath of God and he says, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? That should be us crying out, God, where are you? Why so far from me? I cry out to you by day and I find no answer. But instead it's the preeminent one, the firstborn. How else did Christ suffer? He suffered to the point of death until he gave up his spirit and he had nothing left. For the wages of sin is death. The payment we deserve for our sin is death and Christ did it for us. How else did he suffer? He suffered once for all. Peter says in our passage for today, he suffered once, meaning once for all, never again does it have to be done. Why? Because it was perfect. There's nothing left to add to the sacrifice and the death of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10 says it like this. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. When you get home from a long day of work, when all the chores are done, what's the first thing you do? You sit down. Christ says, it is finished. And he sits down. And he enjoys the rest. That it is over. He suffered once for all. There's nothing left to give. There's nothing that we, the unrighteous, can add to what the righteous one has done. By his wounds we are healed. Christ says it best. It is finished. If that's not good enough, it gets even better. Peter says that Christ did all this that He might bring us to God. That Jesus on the cross did not just stamp our ticket to heaven, He brought us into relationship with God Almighty. As I thought about this week, as I thought about the weight of our sin, as I thought about the betrayal of my heart towards God, it dawned on me that the one in the story who best understood His betrayal... And his sin nailing Christ to the cross on that first Friday was Judas. But what Judas didn't know is that Christ died that he might bring us to God. That the despair does not end with death. That it's swallowed up on Easter Sunday. That two days later he could have been embraced by Jesus in forgiveness. That we are embraced by Jesus in forgiveness, even though we are Judas. Jesus died so that we could be sons and daughters, made pure, able to live in the presence of God Almighty. Christ died once for all, a perfect death for our massive debt of sin, canceling it all, So that we might have a relationship with God. For Christ also suffered. The righteous for the unrighteous. That he might bring us to God. The perfect substitute. Paid our debt that we could never pay. That first Passion Week. On Thursday night, Jesus gets his disciples together to eat a meal what we now call the Last Supper. It was the Passover feast. In the book of Exodus, we read that God tells the Israelites, get your families together, get your neighbors together. Find a pure, white, spotless lamb, kill it, cook it, eat its flesh, take its blood and put it above your doorpost. Because tonight I will kill every firstborn son of every family that does not put the blood on the door. And so God's Spirit saw the blood and He passed over. And He saved them from slavery in Egypt. And so Jesus had gotten His disciples together to celebrate God's saving work. And Jesus takes the bread after supper and He breaks it. And He gives it to them and He says, This bread is My body broken For you, eat of my flesh. And he takes the cup and he says, This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood. Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of the Passover lamb. That he gives the perfect sacrifice so that no other sacrifices have to be made. That He is the Lamb of whose flesh we eat and blood that we apply so that God might look past our sins and save us. As I was thinking about this truth last service as we were meditating on communion, I I thought of just this idea of Passover, that in the original uh, feast, He put the blood above the door so that God might pass over them and their sin. But in Christ, He no longer has to pass over our sin because our sin is gone. It is paid for completely through the perfect Passover lamb. He doesn't have to look past it because it is no more. It is completely gone. Paid for completely. And so now the volunteers are going to come forward and they're going to pass out the bread and the cup if tonight, if you're a follower of this beautiful Jesus, take one of each and hold on to it and we'll partake together and we'll ask God to apply that flesh of that perfect Passover lamb and that blood of Jesus to our account that we might be brought to him. Praise be to God.